0: And welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Hey, well, it's great to see you all here this morning. A long weekend, to be honest, I said to Ruth this morning, I said, hey, it's a long weekend, it's a beautiful day, probably won't be too many people here. Um, And you're all here, so let's put our hands together and thank one another for being here. There's a bunch of people online as well. We want to welcome you to church. And um, I, I pray that as I talk to you today that somehow, some way, God will speak through me and minister to you. Um, but I am going to start, I suppose, by continuing the theme of transparency that's, uh, that's come through so far and it, it's got to do with Bible reading. You know, I've read through the Bible many times and I'm sure many of you have as well but if I can be completely honest with you, there are some parts of the Bible that I find a little dreary. <laughs> that, 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 you, you know, usually I'm going through a Bible plan and it's sort of, there's one part of me that thinks, I'm going to get through this section really, really quickly because my reading sort of turns into speed reading. It's usually genealogies. I think I'm yeah, sure there's a few names that I know, but there's a whole bunch of names I don't know and I just, yeah, just get a little faster as I'm reading through those. Um, the other, the other one for me that really gets to me is the detail around the tabernacle and the temple. And, you know, okay, and you've got to cut this thread of cloth and it has to be this size and it has to go on this. And, and I Oh come on! You know I just I can't. The the first part of the challenge is this: I, I can't conceive of what they're writing about usually, and, and even though I've looked at all sorts of diagrams and photos and things, I just still can't imagine what this is going to look like and where it's going to go. And and so I just get I just get a little lost on the detail there, and so I breeze through that that sort those parts of the scripture in the hope that I can get to the more interesting stuff next. You know, I love the, I love the hero stories, the David and Goliath one. Or I, I like the, the, the time where Jonathan, you know, in First in Samuel, he and his armor guard, they went up and they defeated the Philistines. And they're the exciting bits for me. But, you know, the other parts, they're there for a reason. And I'm not suggesting that you go home and you read genealogies or that you go home and just spend time pondering on the detail associated with the tabernacle being built. But but what I do want to say is those things are important. Let me explain why a genealogy is important. Do, do you know, if there was no uh, detail following Ruth and I, our children wouldn't be here. Do, do you know, if Wayne and Ruth didn't beget... Amy Lee and Katie and Brittany and Michaela, there would be no grandchildren. Imagine how much that would save. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 do you, do you know we joke about the genealogies, but the reality is, everything that comes from the person above exists because that person was there. If you you, you know, if if I wasn't, if Ruth didn't marry me there wouldn't be our children she'd have chosen probably a tall handsome man but as a result she would probably have had taller children <laughs> and uh, there'd be a whole lot of differences but the reality is you know one after the other produces who we are today you are partly like you are because of your mom and dad you are partly like you are because of your grandparents my lack of hair is partly because Ruth cut it and she used the wrong number, I think. <laughs> no, 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 I cut it and then she fixes it. So, um, and, and you know, because of failing eyesight every now and again, you pick the wrong comb on the thing and it's like, oh, what, oh, whoops, that was too short, wasn't it? <laughs> Doesn't matter. The only problem is the shine off the lights, but <laughs> that disappears as well. And so genealogies are actually, they're important, and they may not be interesting to us as we read, but we do know, as a result of them, we know where Christ came from, that He came from the line of David. You know, so, so there is some importance to them, even though we might find them dreary. The, the detail associated with the building of the tabernacle or the temple is important detail because those structures wouldn't have been what they were had the instruction not been received. Do you know, for those of you are in the building industry, you know that an architect's design and the detail associated with it contributes to the outcome. Some of the detail makes a significant difference. And if you skip that detail out, usually the owner or the architect gets frustrated. How many of you have had to deal with architects through the years? they can be really difficult to deal with. Because what doesn't matter as much to you matters a lot to them. Why? Because they're creating an image of what it's supposed to look like. I remember as we're going through the process here and, you know, empty warehouse, it didn't look like anything worth looking like, uh, looking at. And, and, you know, as we tussled with the architect, you know, architects don't understand a budget. They, They... all they think of is a dream. And and I remember I dealt with one architect and and I said, this is the budget. And um, he didn't understand that word budget at all. (laughs) And in the end, we had to get rid of him because we couldn't afford what he dreamed of. And, 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 you know, as we went through the process here, fortunately, the architect we used was a little more understanding. But nonetheless, in the process of building, we had a A project manager whose responsibility it was, was not only to bring it in at the budget we had, but to, if possible, decrease the cost. Because sooner or later, someone's got to pay the bills. That's right, isn't it? But without the detail, you don't get the outcome that you're after. And so, as much as for us, it can be a little dreary reading through some of that detail... It is actually important to the end results. And the temple, the tabernacle, they were really, really important. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And, and, you know, much of what was detailed there was there to ensure that what was represented, represented God and his values, because it was said to be the place that God dwelled, both in the tabernacle and in the temple. And that's why... It was important. Exodus 25, 10 to 13 says this. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a moulding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet. Two rings on each side, make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And it just goes on and on and on. First chronicles twenty eight and verse eleven says this Then David gave Solomon the plans for the temple and its surroundings, including the entry room, the storerooms, the upstairs rooms, the inner rooms, and the inner sanctuary, which was the place of atonement. David also gave Solomon all the plans he had in mind for the courtyards, the lord's temple, the outside rooms, the treasuries and the rooms for the, gifts of the, dedicated, the for the gifts dedicated to the Lord. The king also gave Solomon the instructions concerning the work of the various divisions of priests and Levites in the temple of the Lord and he gave specifications for the items in the temple that that were to be used for worship. David gave instructions regarding how much gold and silver should be used to make the items needed for service. Now, um, in the first instance with the tabernacle, it is said that God gave those details to Moses. David, it it says, had some of them in mind, but some of them were instructions he received from God. My question to you this morning, let let me read Exodus 31, is my question to you is, how much detail is there in the plan God has for your life? If he cares so much about buildings, how detailed are his plans for your life? Exodus 31, verse 1 to 5 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Now, God is saying, here's a guy and this is what I have given to him, and he will be able to achieve some of the outcomes that God is focused on, and that obviously Moses was focused on. And so we need to understand God is interested in every minute detail. He's, he's interested in you just as he was interested in the temple, just as he was interested in the tabernacle. So <clears throat> if we go to Matthew sixteen eighteen, and we read this last week, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. It begs the question, what detail is there with regard to the church? Is it that we've missed? Do you know there are many people today who want to create the church to be what they want it to be? They imagine what they would like the church to be and that's what they try and create. It's the epitome of pride. The church is not for you or I to dictate or determine or detail. It's actually God's domain. It's His purpose. It's His design And do you think, you know, if he went to all that trouble with the tabernacle and the temple, that somehow when it gets to the church, they don't, oh no, almost anything goes. Do what you want. That's out of character for him. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And yet, in the day and age in which we live, (coughs) the church is in its various forms, at times actually catering to the needs of the people rather than doing what God wants it to do. Why why do we want to do it this oh well it just works. Everyone's more comfortable with that. No 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 but people won't people won't come to church if we don't do it this way. I still think we should stick with international roast. I mean, we could find that in the scripture. In the King James it says have coffee, international roast. I think thank you. That's communion? I don't like coffee. I don't like international roast, but I do like economics, and international roast is way cheaper, easier. (laughs) And so, too often the church has been dictated to by the preferences of people in an effort to make it palatable, when that was never the intention. And I think Ruth mentioned the word, and some of you guys are here this morning, the the word ecclesia, the called out ones. The point is to call people out and to gather in his name, not to go to the people and a accommodate them, but to call them out to experience something different. God has got something different in mind for us. The goal is to be called out. As a matter of fact, while we go out and Jesus said we're to go and preach the gospel, the goal is to call people out from where they are. You, You know, entrance, if I can put it this way, to the church is through a decision for Christ. But often what we find today is those decisions are being decreased in their value and membership or attendance is more important. We are still in a place where God is calling us to a place of reconciliation. We've got to be careful what we do with the church, why? because it's God's it's Jesus has said, "I will build my church and i I wonder if what's been happening in the world and you know a couple of weeks ago when I started talking, I wonder if the turmoil we're experiencing say in the church is the result of it being uh, it, 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 if you like sorted out and returning to the place that God has in mind you know as a church We have a a governance structure and um, the goal of the governance structure is for those who are there is to pray for wisdom and direction to clearly, accurately discern what it is that God wants to do here. And and, and, part of it is finding people like Bezalel. You know, people called and gifted by God to do a specific task and and that's part of our responsibility. Acts chapter 2 and verse um, 42-45 speaks about some of the things that the early church were involved in and those things still apply. But ultimately what we've got to do is do what Jesus is calling us to do. You you know, we said this a little while ago but um, our plan was to to begin uh, another congregation, if you like, out towards Pakenham in the Cardinia area. And it got a little stalled with with some of the events over the last couple of years and things. Uh, But um, next Sunday on the 20th will be our first more public meeting on a Sunday afternoon in the Officer Community Hub, I think it is. We met there last Sunday afternoon with a bunch of people in preparation. But why are we doing this? Is want to reach people for Christ. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, the most important thing Jesus said was the simplest thing to do, go into all the, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Yeah. Sometimes we like to complicate things when what He's asking us to do is not that complicated. The other thing we had planned to do was later in this year was to begin a, an, another campus, if you like, or another church out towards um, Lilydale Way. And, and the plan was uh, originally um, for Mitch and Tory to go out there and eventually begin something out that way. But what's actually happened, uh, Jossie and Jenny and a group of people have been gathering together here and and what's happened is there's been a a melding together of the two in some form or another and we're still in the process of working all that out. But why are we doing it again? It's to reach people for Christ. We forget, you know, we live in comfortable circumstances often and we forget there are people in need. Now, they may not look like they're in need, but everyone is in need of a Saviour. And finding ways to reach those people is critical. Their their eternal salvation is what's at stake. Do you know, over recent weeks, we've seen people pass away, public figures pass away, and, and in some ways, their lives are celebrated. But in the back of my mind is the thought, where's their eternal destiny? What's their final end? And and it's easy to forget that this is our primary task, our primary responsibility. As unpalatable as it is, we need to remind ourselves of that when we're looking and thinking of the people around about us. You know, in some ways, you know, talking about these two new congregations or discipling communities or eventually uh, churches, our timing's bad. In some ways, it's, it's, it's odd that we're doing it now because of all that we've gone through with COVID, what's actually happened is your resources get taxed. You know, there are less people willing to volunteer than ever before. A congregational numbers um, ha- have in many places been halved from what they were prior to COVID. So some people will say, is this the right time? Well, with our natural eye, it probably isn't, but you know, we have a God who provides for all our needs. And what's required is a step of faith and, you you know, God was less worried about the right time when he spoke to Moses because it wasn't the right time to speak to Moses and Moses had all the excuses in the world but what he did was he called him and asked him to do what he did with Pharaoh. And for us, we're doing what we're doing, believing that God has called us and as we step out in faith and we believe that God will provide and bring about the outcomes that he's promised, you see, it's not faith if it's guaranteed. You're guaranteed to get a cup of coffee, you don't need faith. It's like, sorry for those who are serving today, you might get bombarded. <laughs> but you're guaranteed to get a cup of coffee if you walk in, you don't need faith to do that. But you do need faith to get something that isn't already there and promised. Faith is a whole different realm. And, you know, as a church, one of the key criteria of the church is that we be those who exercise faith, you know, from a staff perspective, you know, Mitch is no longer on staff, Shannon's no longer on staff, Trent and Sarah at some point later in the year will no longer be here as well. Uh, Brittany is bursting at the seams and um, she's going to be taking some maternity leave apparently really, really soon. Um, I think you're already on maternity leave, but Britt, you're not, not yet? Oh wow, she's not on maternity leave yet. But um, she will be soon. I I don't need faith to say that, I can just tell, you know. And and so, you know, from a staff perspective, people say the timing's not right, but we've got to act in faith, believing that God will provide. And, And, you know, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, it's faith that's critical here. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. As harsh as this might sound, I I want you to think about it and ask yourself the question, where is it that you're acting in faith? There's lots of things guaranteed... There's lots of things that you've built up through the years and you've got confidence and skill with. But the question is, where are you in faith? Maybe for a loved one. Maybe you're believing for God to work a miracle for someone that you care for, someone that you love. It may be in your workspace where, you know, things are just not going as they ought to and a step of faith is required. It may be in some other sphere, but, you know, the Bible is clear, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, way around it. And so we need to keep asking ourselves the question, where am I exercising faith? Now, we understand that our daily habits and our daily practice is is a form of faith, but God wants us to believe for the impossible as well. And we need to push in on that. You know, if it doesn't matter to you, then it doesn't matter. And some of us don't exercise faith because we just we have lost faith. So there's the tabernacle. There's a temple. And in some ways, there's the church that God has information and detail about. But you know, in Corinthians, it doesn't go from temple to church, it goes from temple to you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer macro, but it's micro. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says this: "Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself." For God bought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. God has got a plan for your life and it's as detailed as the genealogies. It's as detailed as the plan for the tabernacle or the plan for the temple or the plan for the church. But too often we step away uh, unwilling to do the hard work that's required of detail. I'll tell you why I don't like detail, because it takes more concentration, more understanding, more effort. It takes longer. I just, yeah, just let's, let's paint the wall. I don't care what colour, just paint the wall. I don't want to know all the details. I do that with lots of things. I do, I'm, I'm happy to stay at a macro level, but the reality is this if, if Brittany has a doctor who just cares about the macro things and when she's giving birth doesn't care about micro things, she'll die. If you're having brain surgery, if you've got a doctor who only cares about the macro things and he's supposed to be understanding the complexities and intricacies of your brain you'll die why because it's the detail that makes the difference and there's a god who cares about the detail of your life every single detail and as a matter of fact he wants you to care about those details as well why because it is his purpose and plan Do you know some of you will say this is too much James 1:5 says this if you need wisdom Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. James 1.22 says this, But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God is interested in you. Just as he's interested in the big things, he's interested in, if I can put it this way, the small things. He's interested not just in you as an individual, but everything about you. He knows every thought that you have. Knows everything that you plan. And you know, I think part of our challenge is this we read the word, but as James has said, the solution is not in reading the word, it's in responding to the word, it's in doing what it says. There's a lot of people with a lot of theory and not a lot of action. And you get what you deserve. If you're all talk and no action, you get what you deserve. And I mean that nicely. You can talk about doing something all you want, but you get what you deserve. You don't get rewarded for what you speak about, you get rewarded for what you do. Go to work and just talk, see what happens. Your boss wants outcomes. If you're a builder and you talk about what you're going to build and you never build it, You won't be working for that person for too long. And yet, in the Bible, we read the word, and too often, we don't do what it says. And when we don't do what it says, we get what we deserve. And I could have read another passage of Scripture you reap what you sow. If you don't sow, then you're not going to get a crop. And and, you know, sadly what happens is this, if you've got virgin soil and you don't sow something in it, something will come up. What will come up? Weeds. What was that? (laughs) Jared's saying something funny but I missed it. And, and you know, sometimes if there's areas of your life where you've got problems, the problem is you didn't sow the, uh, the right seed into the soil and what you're reaping is something you never wanted to reap. And so we get back to where we started. We've got to read our Bible. But reading is not enough. To become the church that Jesus has in mind, we've got to act on what we read. Some, I just want to give you four quick points about what you can do in your own life. The first is this, dream of what you want to build. The second is, draft a plan of how it will look and function. Thirdly, describe the steps necessary to construct it. Fourthly, decide whether or not you're willing to pay the price you guys can come up. But finally, do it, do it, do it. Get into the habit of actually doing something. You might plan in your mind, okay, we're going to do this in the garden. Well, if that's the case, go through the process, but you've got to get to the point of doing what you're thinking about doing. Otherwise, you'll never reap the reward. God has been watching over your life every moment of every day. He's got plans for you. And he's spoken to you before, and he'll keep speaking to you again. But the real fruit is in you responding to him and saying, "God, I need more detail on this, but I am going to give myself to it from today forward." And as you do so, you'll experience the benefit of it. Take a step of faith. You might say, "I haven't got all the information I need." Take a step of faith. Make a promise. Say, "God." I'm going to give myself to this thing. Maybe a neighbor who you want to reach out to. I'm going to give myself to working towards that. Maybe something personally that you want to change in your life with regard to your habits or your schedules. Okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself to that, whatever it is. planning's good, doing it's better. As a matter of fact, plan all you like. If you don't do it, there's no point. You've just wasted your time. We stand together with me this morning. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and the, the image there is that church is pushing against the gates of hell, not the other way around. It's forcing its way forward. There's a world to win. And we started this series by talking about the church and the way that it would change in the in the next few years. Not just this local church, but churches across the nations. And the only way the church can really become all that God has in mind is responding to the challenge to do what He says. And so I'd like you to pray with me as I pray this morning. And let's just believe that as we enter into a new era as a church, God does something profound. Father, You know us all. You see our strengths and weaknesses, you understand? the thing that you have called us to each individually. My prayer is that there would be, as it were, a new enlightenment, a new time, a new period where we become even more aware of the things that you have in mind. That, Father, we would find ourselves not only dreaming, not only preparing, but actually doing the thing that you challenged us to do. I pray for the church here locally. I pray for the church across our nation. I pray for the church across the globe. That we might be able to force our way forward. That we might be able to go and do the things that you've called us to do. So the lost world would find Jesus as their saviour and be blessed as a result. Father, we thank you for the journey that you've called all of us on. Help us take... The next step, whatever that might be, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time.